You're listening to Precinct 444, a podcast network from the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today we're bringing you an episode from Icons, where listeners are introduced to incredible people working within the law enforcement community who have made a profound impact in our world. These one-on-one interviews provide insight into their lives and careers so we can better understand their challenges and recognize their bravery, commitment, and sacrifice. Welcome to Precinct 444. I'm Christopher Mitchell, the producer of Precinct 444 and manager of digital content and strategy at the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today's series is truly a special one. As we're nearing the end of Pride Month, we here at the Precinct wanted to leave a lasting impression on everyone by releasing the six full oral histories of the participants featured in the digital exhibit, Experience Pride Behind the Badge, the history of LGBTQIA in law enforcement, published today. A link to the exhibit can be found in the episode descriptions from this series. If you're listening to these episodes on the original published date, a companion program is set to air this coming Wednesday, June 28th at 2 p.m. Be sure to register using the link found in the episode descriptions. The purpose behind these projects is to share the often untold stories of LGBTQIA and law enforcement through their own words. They come from all walks of life and all types of law enforcement. Episode 2 of this series features Albert Guarneri. He talks about his career on the federal side of law enforcement and, like others, will share his challenges and motivations for being in the field. And now for part two of Pride Behind the Badge, featuring Albert Guarneri. Al, what made you want to join the field of law enforcement? As for why I entered the field of law enforcement, I was always patriotic as a kid. I knew I wanted to serve my country in some fashion when I grew up. I always remember standing at attention whenever the national anthem was played. And as a child whose mother was an immigrant, I think I appreciated being an American at a deeper level. When asked, I would always tell people my favorite holiday was July 4th and any other holiday where cake was served. I always watched TV shows related to law enforcement when I was a kid, including Chips, TV show Hunter, and Hill Street Blues. What I learned as I matured was that I love my country and I desired to make a positive impact on the safety and security of our nation, believing in the motto, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That love and desire led me to look into law enforcement at the federal level and brought me to my current employer where I've served for 18 and a half years. So as a person who identifies as LGBTQ+, did you have any reservations about entering law enforcement? I think, you know, just being, I guess, LGBT or gay, it presents its own challenges just in daily functioning. You know, there's always apprehension and and kind of reservation in what you do, how people are perceiving you, if they're, you know, perceiving you differently because you're part of the gay community. But, um, you know, the decision to come out and to tell someone that you're gay is, is probably one of the most fearful, scary and challenging decisions that an LGBTQ plus individual has to make. And it seems like we make it every day because it's not apparently outwardly visible in many instances that an individual is part of the LGBTQ community. And that's something that has to be shared verbally um, with other individuals. And we have to make that decision multiple times every day if we're comfortable with a person, if we trust them with knowing that information about us, and if they're going to treat us differently once they find out that information about us. But uh, it's definitely challenging in the law enforcement community um, from my personal personal views. You know, I think I think it's getting better. Um, and I think that law enforcement leaders of today 
We realize that the need for all people to be able to be focused on the job to make the profession better and to serve the community that we serve, the diverse community that we serve across this country, that it's important for them to foster um, as leaders, authentic environments, kind of where people can feel included, more likely to have, you know, LGBT officers, relations with the LGBT community, and the ability for those officers to serve as themselves, their whole selves, which is kind of critical to uh, the success of our profession, you know, and our mission to protect and serve all people, uh, regardless of race orientation, sexual orientation, gender, you know, the list goes on. But it was definitely uh, something that I had second thoughts about at first, but my passion, my desire to, to help serve and protect rose above my fears of potential issues that I may face being a law enforcement professional. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's, there, you've obviously seen, I'm, I'm sure, a lot of, a lot of changes and certainly a lot of challenges. Even, even as we moved into the 21st century, from the time you started in the the mid 1990s, basically, have you seen like a progression, like in a positive way, from the mid 90s up until now, of LGBTQ plus officers in law enforcement? You know, I, I think. From my perspective and from my friends that are in the law enforcement profession that are part of the LGBT community, it's been challenging, you know, but I do think that there is progress. You know, some progress happens faster than other progress, but I do think that that law, the profession as a whole is moving in a better direction. And it's actually moving now where I don't think that it was moving as much in the past, but I do think that there is progress. You know, I think the approach by the private sector and, you know, businesses across the nation around the world. You know, the development of diversity and inclusion programs, the efforts to not only bring LGBTQ plus members into organizations, professions, but also other minority groups. We're all in this together. And, and you know, the advancement of one helps the advancement of others. And I think the LGBT community is not necessarily thought of as the driver of that uh, advancement and change in in business and society in the law enforcement profession. but it's something that we definitely uh, try to work with other diverse communities to bring our bring our community forward as the other communities are also able to advance. And I do think there have been some positive changes. I think, you know, the establishment of LGBT liaison programs within police departments across this nation really helps to build that relationship with the LGBT community in which they serve. The LGBT community is not very trusting of law enforcement. There's a lot of significant issues in history there. And I would challenge anyone that's listening to go and look at that history to understand why the community is distrustful of law enforcement and then work through those things together to, to build those bridges that may not be there within your community. I do see advancement. I do see progress in that direction. And I think that's very promising for the future of our profession as law enforcement professionals. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned these, uh, these, liaison uh with your individuals or or almost departments in some way depending on the organization depending on the size what is the what is the anti-bias or discrimination kind of training that is now i would say far progressive compared to where it was you know 10 20 years ago um whether from your own perspective or from kind of hearing within the law enforcement circle? In California, it's a requirement now for state law enforcement uh, professionals to obtain uh, training in LGBTQ awareness. And I think it's important for, for everyone to understand that 
we're not trying to change someone's beliefs. We're not, you know, religious beliefs, personal beliefs, or any of that. It's more of an awareness. The history, important for us to understand history, all types of history, you know, so that we don't repeat it. But it's important for people to understand the challenges of the LGBT community, especially when it comes to law enforcement and inclusion and equality within our nation. And just be aware of it, uh, be sensitized to it, be compassionate towards the LGBT community. Knowing that history, I think, helps uh, people to to come at any problem with open arms and willing to have a, a dialogue to discuss the resolution successfully. So I, I think that there's various aware, awareness trainings that are out there that are, you know, are beneficial. But I think just cracking a book or nowadays Googling LGBTQ history and law enforcement, I think, brings up sufficient information for someone to help kind of be more aware of the uh, unique challenges between the LGBT community and the law enforcement profession. Yeah, I think that's important to note, too, is just the the fact that I think people are so kind of unaware of what LGBTQ plus individuals have gone through. But then there's a whole nother side of it with what they're going through as law enforcement professionals, especially if they went into the academy, you know, really like kind of pre 2010, 2015, where it just wasn't really accepted at all in law enforcement, or if it was accepted, it was more of just a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. You know, were there times at all in your career, you know, almost almost these 20 years that you considered leaving the field? And if so, what made you decide to stay? Sure. And, and just to kind of briefly touch on what you said, everyone kind of has, you know, I don't think anyone, any human has the ability to completely separate their personal life from their work life. And, and, and nor should we, you know, we should be as comfortable with our friends and colleagues at work as we are with our family at home and be able to share those interactions and those experiences together. But it definitely, being part of the LGBT community, definitely made it challenging, especially in the early years, for me to be my true self, always wondering what someone was thinking or, you know, trying to just laugh it off when, when the gay jokes were flying around, you know, as a squad area or, you know, amongst law enforcement partners while we were waiting for a search warrant or an arrest or whatever. You know, it, it definitely presents uh, unique challenges because, again, like I said earlier, being gay is not necessarily something that you can look at someone and say, oh, that's a gay person. I better not mention a gay joke here or, you know, or whatever, as you can with some other diverse community groups. So that presents its own challenges. But I mean, have I considered leaving the profession? Sure. I think many people have challenging times in their careers. And, you know, you always are looking for change, especially in you know today's time where there's so many opportunities elsewhere to to add value to society. But the law enforcement profession is not really any different. You know, what keeps me in law enforcement, though, is the overriding desire to contribute to the safety and security of our nation and everyone that calls it home. You know, despite the challenges that come with being gay, it's it's the greater good that I'm more focused on than, um, you know, someone not talking to me at the office because they know I'm gay. That doesn't bother me as much now as it used to. I mean, I think some of that also comes with being senior in law enforcement and being a little bit more experienced and kind of really having carved my path in my career and my job and, uh, you know, inviting people into my life. They want to be a part of it. And if they're not, that's fine as well. But realizing that we both still have to do the job that we have to do when we're on the clock together. You know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, being part of the LGBT community, the law enforcement community, 
well, I can help drive that change or help make change. And I think that's part of the reason why I stay. Every day I see a little bit of progress in our profession, some setbacks, but a little bit of progress each day. And so that keeps me here, keeps me wanting to continue to move forward, give all I can, my true self to this profession. And then also to make it easier for those that come after me. There were people that came before me that had to struggle in the profession a lot harder and had it a lot worse than I do today. Thankful for those contributions they made. And I'm hopeful that the people that come after me will be thankful for the contributions that my LGBT law enforcement generation uh, made to make their lives a little bit easier and to make the job more about the job and not about who you go home to when you're done with the job that night. Do you have any advice for new LGBTQ plus officers and those thinking of becoming law enforcement professionals? I think I would tell them and the generations that are, you know, today's generation is completely different than, you know, my generation 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But I would encourage people to stand up and stand out, leverage your uniqueness, be proud of who you are, build and strengthen those relationships between your law enforcement profession and the LGBT community. Our LGBT community needs you. Your law enforcement profession needs you. Find a way to make both of those to work together and then strive every day to be a beacon of light for both the law enforcement profession, but also for the LGBT community. Be an advocate for all diverse communities, not just the LGBT community. There are a lot of people, a lot of communities that struggle out there every day, especially with relationship with uh, law enforcement. Help build those relationships across diverse communities, not just the one that you're a part of, but across all of them. Because I think that when everyone is working together and everyone is included, we all win. It may not seem like it at times, but our profession is changing. And as a new LGBT law enforcement officer or someone that's looking to join the profession, you are that change maker. Embrace it. Be proud that you had that unique role and take it on. Kind of like an extension to that question as well. But uh, what would you want people to know about your experience? I have a friend who retired from the same federal organization that I work in. He happens to be a black male. And he often says, I love this life. And he puts an emphasis on this. And the first time I asked him what he meant by that, he said that millions of actions, decisions, and variables each and every moment of our lives gets us to where we are at that moment in time. He said many of them are in his control. Many are not. Um, I'm hopeful I can get there one day, um, but I'm not quite there yet. After 18 plus years in the law enforcement profession, there's still some significant challenges. Like I said earlier, progress has been made and I'm hopeful progress will continue. You know, I think we work better and more effectively and efficiently when we all work together. This exhibit is an example of that progress. This is the first time this is being done. That's a sign that there's been progress in the law enforcement profession, that it's being recognized at the National Law Enforcement Officers Museum. That's progress. And each step like this will help us to build a more equal and diverse and inclusive profession. And that's what I'm hopeful for. And that's what I want people to know about my experience is that I'm one very small piece of many LGBTQ law enforcement officers, of many diverse community law enforcement officers that have made change within the profession for each one of their diverse community populations. And I think that's a good thing. And uh, I'm proud to be part of it. And I hope and encourage others to stand up and be a part of it as well. 
really interesting hearing other people's stories too, because it's while they're so they're somewhat, you know, similar, it's there's still differences. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important for especially law enforcement leaders or tomorrow's law enforcement leaders to understand is that members of your police department, members of your community are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, understanding how to work with those people, whether it's part of your community or part of your law enforcement organization or make making your organization, your department accommodating for and open to recruitment of those individuals is a good thing. You know, in, in worst case scenario, if you have no interest in engaging the LGBT community at all or no interest in awareness, look at it purely from a litigative standpoint. You have law enforcement officers within your organization that are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. They may not be out, but they're there. Doing something wrong could subject your department, your city to a lawsuit and a lot of, you know, kind of issues that come with that. You know, understand the communities that you serve and be open to them in your profession, but then also in working with them in the community on a daily basis. And I think that's that's critically important for someone to understand that's in a leadership position. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it also comes down to the allies of LGBTQ plus because they're also fighting, even though, you know, they might be a very small population or a very small community within a larger city. It's you still have a lot of people that are still fighting for basic human rights and human decency. I think it's just really important for sort of everyone's voice to be heard and just to make sure that everyone is really well represented. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and again, that's my own personal opinion, but I think that, you know, when there's, I don't, don't want to say flare-ups, but when there's flare-ups of a particular diverse community that draws the attention of the media and draws the attention of a certain political group or left or right or sound or whatever, it's perceived by the general population of, you know, our country that's just kind of watching from afar that, oh, you know, this particular community, you know, is, is being very vocal because they want their voice heard and all that, you know, and they want special privilege or special rights, or they want us to focus on them and be less, you know, critical of them or whatever. And that's really not the case at all. It's just certain things are are touch points and, and flare-ups in society. And when those happen, those particular groups come up and they're like, hey, we're here and that's not really cool with us. You need to kind of find this middle ground. And it's not anyone seeking to be better or you know, more protected or anything than another group. It's just, we all want to be equal. And if we can all get to that level playing field where we're all equal and feel equal and are treated equally, everyone would be happy. And we wouldn't hear about, you know, Black Lives Matter or LGBTQ rights or targeted attacks against Jewish, um, Jewish Americans. Everyone would just kind of get along. And that's obviously not the world that we live in um, and not always going to be reality. But I, I think just people understanding that, you know. When you hear those flare-ups from a particular group, it's not that they want extra special attention. They just want to be equal. I think uh, I think calling them flare-ups is, is pretty spot on because it does seem like things plateau or kind of mellow and all of a sudden there's like a blip where it's just all of a sudden there's a week or several weeks worth of just highly charged conversations like kind of throughout the United States or within like a pocket of the United States because of, you know, a singular event that happened. 
you know, it's like we are making progress. We are seeing some change, but it's just, I think it's still really, really difficult when you have a, even a small part of the population that are just almost refusing to listen, refusing to change. And I think part of it is fear. Like they don't want to, they don't want to understand how this group of people are living their lives. You know, it's like, they don't, they don't want to know what they're doing or how they're living their lives. And it's like, well, they're also human beings. So it's like, just, you don't necessarily have to accept what they're doing, but you can still say like, I love you. You're a human being. Like we can still get along. Yeah. I, I kind of approach every person that I encounter, whether it's in my profession or, um, you know, just going to Walmart, you know, I'm a person that makes eye contact with people. If eye contact is returned. I always say, hi, I don't care the color of your skin, your gender, your sexual orientation, your national origin. I don't care if I see you and you make eye contact with me, I'm going to say, hi, that's the human thing to do. Just simply trying to treat people as humans is, is such a simple thing to say, but it's so hard for some people to be able to digest and then action. And there's always going to be people that just have hate and, and that fills their lives for a particular group or just in general. And you can't ask everyone to change their beliefs. You can't ask anyone to change their beliefs. They're their beliefs for a reason, but you have to be accepting and at least aware of other people's beliefs and how not to intentionally harm those people and the beliefs or the backgrounds that they come from. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's it's almost like it's like almost trying to convince somebody that almost like having an intervention with an entire population of telling them that your way of thinking, although it is your own way of thinking and maybe you were just raised this particular way or maybe it was purely environmental. It wasn't necessarily the way you were raised, although <laughs> environment is still definitely part of the way people are raised, but it's almost like you're, they have to be willing to change. And I think that's, that's the kind of root of the, the problem or telling people to just be kind and treat everyone like they would want to be treated, but maybe they just don't care and they just don't have any interest in changing. And, and then that's where you have, you have fear and you have hate. I think all you can do is just keep, keep speaking out and keep trying to, you know, whittle away at those people that, that need to see that life can be easier if you just don't hate. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, you know, hate and fear, stem from not knowing and in, 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 in ignorance, whether that's, you know, chosen ignorance to not learn about a different culture or different community, or just not knowing how to learn about a culture or community. We're surrounded by every, as you know, put it in a car analogy, we're surrounded by every make and model of vehicle in humanity in our country. If you don't know something about a particular person or a particular person's culture, we have the internet. Do some research. Find out that culture's history. Find out that person's, you know, uh, community's history. Get a little bit more educated, and then have a good discussion with that person about what it means to be part of the LGBT community, or part of the Black community, or part of the the female community, or you know, part of the Jewish community in America, and then help try to find a way that that you can make that person, that person's community, more accommodating in in, in society. But at least become educated and become aware 
ignorance is is our worst enemy and, and there's so many ways to combat that with just asking questions with talking to people with doing research to understand where they came from and what they're trying to achieve through equality and diversity and inclusion there's some great stories out there That was part two of the Pride Behind the Badge series featuring Albert Guarneri. We hope you'll take some time to explore our digital exhibit, Experience Pride Behind the Badge, the history of LGBTQIA plus and law enforcement. Remember, the companion program for the digital exhibit will air live on YouTube this Wednesday, June 28th at 2 p.m. The register link is in the episode description. We hope you found this conversation enlightening and will join us again for another edition of Icons, where we introduce listeners to incredible people working within law enforcement who have had a profound impact on the community. These one-on-one interviews provide insight into their lives and careers so we can better understand their challenges and recognize their bravery, commitment, and sacrifice. The Icon series is not just about contemporary figures in the law enforcement community, but about all of those who have served their communities and the world from now and in the past. Be sure to tune back in with us for future Icons episodes exclusively on Tuesdays every month to learn about key figures in American law enforcement history. Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to precinct444 at nleomf.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the precinct. Thank you.